0: Thank you for downloading the podcast. We pray the Word of God will richly bless you today. So let's get right into the Word, knowing that God will speak into our lives today. 2 Corinthians chapter 5, where we left off last week, studying the ministry of reconciliation. And you know, we're going to get into some stuff today that I trust you'll take notes and, and really make application of this. Because now let's let's look again. How many have somebody in your life you'd like to see get saved? Well, you know there's a process we can we can you you know go through. Nowhere in the Bible does God say pray that God would save people. Amen. Amen. It doesn't say that. You know we have work to do. I said we have work to do. So that's what we're studying. So so take some notes today because especially today I'm going to teach you some things about how to pray for your loved ones, how to pray for your friends. And just basically how to, how to get this thing rolling in your life so it will, it will be a great blessing. Amen. Praise God. Now, before we do that, let's, let's talk for just a moment. You know, uh, last week, while we were having just a wonderful, glorious service in this church, uh, they had a tremendous tragedy down in South Texas. Uh, you know, I want you to know that's demonic. That, that, that's Satan in full manifestation right there. And uh, you know, I want you to know, as your pastor here at Island Church, that we we do a lot, uh, both spiritually, but also in the natural, uh, to ensure our security around here. Uh, actually, several months ago, the Lord showed me something in the spirit, and immediately I went to Brother Roland. I said, Brother Roland, we need to have police presence here on Sunday morning. A lot of people thought, Well, I don't know why we have police car parked here. I don't know why we have uniform officers. I don't know. Well, you know now. Do you know now? Amen. It's because there's people that have that kind of stuff working in them. There are people that are just full of the devil and the enemy's using all kinds of things to try to manipulate them to get them to do what he desires to do. And I want you to know that was what the devil desired. You say, well, how come that church didn't pray? How come that church didn't? I don't know. Not every church has revelation like we have. Not every church knows the things of the spirit that we know. But thank God we know what we know and can do what we do. So every time you see one of these wonderful police officers, you know, both of these guys that come are wonderful. One of them, or, or one of them now is uh, 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 Dion Watson and his wife come to the church now, and, and they're just a great blessing. And, and I'm telling you, God has used them to stop what the enemy had tried to do uh, here at this church. So we constantly pray. We constantly do that. But you've got to be aware. That's why it's so good to pray in the spirit because it'll keep you out of situations like that or in the midst of a situation like that you will know what to do. Amen. So thank God for his protection, his safety. Greater is he that's in us than he that is in the world and no weapon formed against us will ever prosper in Jesus' name. Amen. Now now last week 2 Corinthians chapter 5 just just to kind of weave this into what we're teaching on today. We began there in verse 14 where it says the love of Christ constraineth us. Uh, That that in the Amplified, it says the love of Christ controls, urges, and impels us. Everybody say the love of Christ. Now I want you to know, uh, the most powerful force in the world is the love of Christ, the love of the Lord Jesus Christ. Uh, I ought to get a better amen than that. But, But for the love of Christ, you would not be here. Uh, But for the love of Christ, you wouldn't be healed in your body. But for the love of Christ, you wouldn't prosper financially. But for the love of Christ, you would not be protected by the angelic host. But for the love of Christ, where would we be? We'd be in trouble. (laughs) Amen. The love of Christ, it controls, it urges, compels us. But why does it do it? Number one, notice this. uh, It says, uh, for the love of Christ constrains us because thus we judge that if one died, everybody say one died. Now that's our redemptive truth. One man died. One man was separated from God through his act of trespass. It was an act of high treason against who he was, the fountainhead of humanity. One man, you say, I don't believe one man can affect the entire planet. Well, we've seen it down through history or one Caesar would do it, or one Hitler would do it, or one, one, there's been one individual all down through history that has affected the entire planet. Well, that happened all the way back in creation. One man's failure, one man's trespass, one man's iniquity caused all of us to enter into spiritual death. But thank God for the love of Christ. I said, thank God for the love of Christ. It says, and thus, it says, and that he died, he died for all that they which live should not henceforth live unto themselves, but unto him which died for them and rose again. Now notice verse 16 is very important. Wherefore henceforth know we no man after the flesh. Yea, though we've known Christ after the flesh, yet now henceforth know we him no more. Now, last week we talked about how traditionally Jesus is viewed as the babe in the manger or the suffering Savior on the cross. Now, we, we said a little bit about the resurrected Christ last week, but uh, just this week in my study and meditation upon this, on these things, the Lord really impressed my spirit to say this. We have to view Christ as the head of the church. Now, now, we all amen that and we all hallelujah that, but you've got to understand something. He is the head, we are the body. Now, now, when you get up and leave after the service today, you know, your head will not remain in that chair and your body get up and leave. Amen? You say, well, that's kind of an abstract uh, illustration. No, you've got to understand the head of the church is the head of the body just like your head is the head of your body. Now, if your head was the only thing that functioned, you'd be incapacitated. You'd be paralyzed. You'd be unable to do anything uh, that you should do yourself. You'd have to have total care for you to function upon this planet. And I'm telling you, the problem with the body of Christ over the years is the body of Christ has been paralyzed. Because they've not seen their connection to the head. People say, well, you know, Jesus just needs to get out there and save people. (laughs) No, we're his body. We're the one that needs to be out there getting them saved. He's the head. He's going to provide the power. He's going to provide the authority. He's going to provide the revelation. He's going to provide the insights, the ideas, the concepts. He's going to provide all of that. But we've got to get busy doing it because we're the body. And we have to view him as the head and us as the body. And we need to work together. That vision that guy had that they talked about at Fire for the Nations this year, was a vision that took place back in the 50s, I think it was. And a guy saw in the last days the body of Christ rising up. This is like the body of Christ looked paralyzed. and there was all this debris all over him. But all of a sudden, he shook himself and all that debris turned into demons and it ran off the body of Christ. And the body of Christ got up and stood up for the giant that God called it to be. And I'm telling you, in the last days, that is what God is calling us to do as a church, to rise up, to stand up and get active. Everybody say active. Active. Now, we're active as a church. We do outreaches. Uh, uh, Man, our missions work that we do, our missions work we do outside the church is 100 times bigger than the church. I mean, we cooperate with crusades that get thousands of people saved, I believe, uh, uh, in Ethan and uh, where, where, where are they at? They're in Bangladesh right now with the the Smithwicks doing a great crusade right now. Thousands will get saved. We're involved in that. We not only support the Smithwicks ministry, but we help send Ethan. Amen. 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 But listen, it's good that we can do that as a body, but we as individuals are also part of the body of Christ. And every one of us needs to be involved in that ministry of reconciliation. Or let's just say it like this. Let's simplify that word. The ministry of bringing people to Jesus. Our lives ought to bring people to Jesus. Our words ought to bring people to Jesus. Everything, our prayers ought to bring people to Jesus. Everything we do ought to help bring people to Jesus. Amen? So it says this. It says, henceforth now know we him no more. Therefore, if any man be in Christ, he's a new creature. Everybody say, a new creature. Say, I'm a new creature. Say, I'm a new creature. creature." creature." Old things have passed away. Behold, all things are new. Isn't that a great scripture? You ought to confess that every day. It says, All things are of God who hath reconciled us to himself by Jesus Christ. Man, I'm telling you, this is so powerful. God loved us so much, we did nothing to initiate this, there was no nation. There was no great crowd of people. The Bible doesn't even record any individual that was crying out, crying out, crying out, Lord, save the world, send your son, Lord, save the world. There was a couple of prophets in the temple that were praying. They didn't even know what they were praying for. But Jesus came because God initiated it. He said, I'm going to do something about fallen humanity. I'm going to do something about my creation. I'm going to do something and I'm going to get my family back and I'm going to do it in Jesus' name. That's what God did. All things are of God, who hath reconciled us to himself by Jesus Christ and hath given unto us the ministry of reconciliation. Now, you don't have to go there, but in in Ephesians 4, it talks about what we call the fivefold ministry, the apostle, the prophet, the evangelist, the pastor, and the teacher. Now, the Bible says that it's given... Uh, so that we might learn through the five-fold ministry how to do the work of the ministry. Everybody say, work of the ministry. Every one of us are called to do the work of the ministry. Now, let me say that again. Every one of us. A lot of people say, well, that's what the pastor's supposed to do. No, the pastor's supposed to train you to do the work of the ministry. I'm glad you're so excited. Let me try that again. The pastor is supposed to train you to do the work of the ministry. Listen, your salvation, your spiritual life ought to be so precious and valuable to you that you're willing to share it with everybody around you. You say, well, people will just think I'm crazy. I don't want to be one of those Bible-thumping fanatics. I like what Jimmy Swaggert said about the word fanatic. He said a fanatic is somebody that loves Jesus more than you do. You ever notice that that person's a fanatic? Well, that's probably somebody that loves Jesus more than you do. Amen? We need to become fanatical. Amen. We need to become a fanatical bunch. We've already got the reputation. Why don't we go, go ahead and just go hog wild, so to speak, and just show them what they think is really true? Amen. They talk about you because you come to Island Church. They know that we're one of those tongue-talking, Holy Ghost, devil-casting-out, soul-winning, evangelistic, all-powerful, almighty, world-changing churches. Why don't we just go ahead and give them some good evidence that that's true? Verse 19, To wit, that God was in Christ, reconciling the world to himself, not imputing trespasses unto them, not imputing their trespasses unto them, and hath committed unto us the word of reconciliation. Verse uh, 19 in the Amplified. It was God personally present in Christ, reconciling and restoring the world to favor with himself. I love this. Not counting up and holding against men their trespasses, but canceling them. Do you know that before you ever got saved, Before you ever made Jesus Lord and Savior, before you ever got born again, your sins were already canceled. You just found out about it and received it. That's true of every person from the richest banker on the island, the richest businessman, the richest executive, to the crack dealer and the prostitute. The same message is true. Every sin... Every, every trespass, all of your iniquity, every problem that you have because of the fall of mankind 6,000 years ago in the garden, every problem you have because you were born into the human family, every sin you've ever committed has been washed away by the blood of the Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. And you don't have to bear it anymore. All you gotta do is get born again. Amen. Now let me say something. Being born again is a whole lot more than just having your sins forgiven. Their sins were forgiven under the old covenant, but they never changed. They still continued in an iniquitous lifestyle. Jesus, as he walked on the earth, forgave men and women's sins. But when you got born again, you became a brand new creature in Christ. Your sins were not forgiven. I said, your sins were not forgiven. They were remitted. You say, what do you mean remitted? Remitted. They were erased. They were taken from you, the Bible says, as far as the east is, from the west, which is literally a geographical phenomenon because you can go north till you start going south, but you can't go east till you start going west. Oh, I'll tell you, somebody ought to get excited about that. Canceling them, glory to God. And then verse 20 says, now then we are ambassadors for Christ. Everybody say, I'm an ambassador. Say, I'm a representative. Of the kingdom of heaven. Heaven's my home. Not this earth. We are ambassadors for Christ. Now let me just say this. This might help some of you. Anytime that war takes place. Or we could say it like this. Anytime one nation brings judgment upon another. They remove the ambassadors. Did you get what I just said? When war was declared by Japan upon the United States on December the 7th, 1941, then we re uh, declared war on Japan on December the 8th, 1941. We removed every ambassador and we kicked their ambassadors out. Germany in kind uh, declared war on us uh, on December the 8th, 1941. We took every ambassador out of Germany. You say, why? Well, we're fixing to wipe them out. Did you know before judgment comes upon this earth, you know what God's gonna do? He's going to get all the ambassadors out of here. I said, he's going to get all the ambassadors out of here. Then the last verse, verse 21. He hath made him to be sin for us who knew no sin, that we might be made the righteousness of God in Christ. This is our authority, and this is our commission. To do what? To be ministers of reconciliation. Now, thank you, Lord. Do you remember when Jesus... After he was risen from the dead, he breathed on them, the disciples, and said, Receive ye the Holy Ghost. And he said, "Whosoever sin you remit shall be remitted unto them. Whoever sins you uh, retain, shall be retained unto them. You ever run to wonder about that, what that scripture meant? Whoever sins you remit, or you talk about being remitted, are remitted unto them. Whoever sins are retained. Are re- you know what that is? That's the right for you to look at somebody and say, You're not saved. Now let me just say something real quick. This might help some of you. Over the past 15 or 20 years, there has been a real dumbing down of the body of Christ standing in judgment of who is saved and who is not. I mean, some of our, some of our most, how could you say it? Some of our most uh, visible leaders in the body of Christ when questioned, when questioned, uh, I watched one in particular and the question was posed to them. Uh, uh, Do you mean that, that I, as a named a particular religion they were part of, that if I were to die, I would go to hell? And the answer was this. Well, I don't know. Well, I don't know. I'm not your judge. Well, that person will die and go to hell. I ought to get a better amen than that. You say, what point are you trying to make, Preacher. When you, when, you, when you talk to somebody about the Lord, when you t- ask them, are you born again? Will I go to such and such church? No, 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 no. Are you born again? No, well, Grandma was a prayer warrior. No, 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 no. I had a friend, and this, this was probably one of the most frustrating personal evangelism or ministry of reconciliation things I ever went through. Because it, it went over all about a three-year period. And I would witness to this individual and witness to this individual and tell them, you need to get saved. You must be born again. And they never heard a word I said. Now, the reason was, in a particular time in their life, they were a soldier during the Vietnam War. And on a, on a particular mission, they saw a vision of their mother. And they saw this vision and their mother was down on their knees praying and praying over them. And because of that, he, he left that position, ran back to their firebase, and when they left that position, the enemy came and overran it. If they had stayed there, they would have been killed. Amen. Well, how many believe that was God saving that guy? But it wasn't salvation. Now, now, let me try that again. Some of y'all need to hear that. How many believe that was God saving him? He saved him in, in the moment because of, because of his mother's prayers. But he didn't save him eternally. But for years, every time I'd try to witness to this brother, he would throw that up in my face. You weren't there. You don't know how powerful that was. Well, I know I wasn't there. And I'm sure it was very powerful. But you don't get saved because your mother prayed and, you got, and God got you out of a situation that would put you in great danger. You get saved because you make a confession of faith. You must be born again. And whenever you talk to somebody about Jesus and they say, no, you have the right to tell them your sins are not remitted, they're retained. You have that right. And whenever somebody puts their hand in your hand and prays that sinner's prayer and steps out of death and into life and out of darkness into the light, you have the right to say your sins are remitted. Your Your sins have been washed away. Uh, Larry King, he talked about of all, he said, I've had every person on my, I heard him say this personally. He said, I've ever, I've had every person on my television program, on my, on my interview program. I've had Benny Hinn. I've had all you. He said, you name them. He said, only one person ever tried to lead me to the Lord. That was Jimmy Swagger. He said, Jimmy Swagger looked me in the eye and said, unless you get saved, unless you believe Jesus Christ, you will die and you'll go to hell. He said this, that still haunts me to this day. Good. Good, I'm glad it does. We ought to be bold enough to tell people this is the only way. Listen, there's not a mountain leading up to God and one side's the Christian side and one side's the Buddhist side and one side's the Hindu side and one side's the Mormon side and one side's the Jehovah Witness side. No, there's not but one way. Jesus said, I am the way, I am the truth, and I am the life. And we ought to be bold enough about that in our witness to tell people, I don't care whose church you joined. Amen? Amen? Man, I've left many a Jehovah Witness at my doorstep telling them, Honey, you're going to hell. I don't care what you profess. I don't care what you say. If you do not make a confession of faith of Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, I don't care if you think you're one of the 120, which that's, that's a twisted revelation they think they have. Amen. It doesn't matter to me if you're a Mormon, what Joseph Smith has said. I don't care. Even Paul said if an angel would come and preach another doctrine, don't you believe it? You must be born again. Being the righteousness of God in Christ gives us the right, gives us the authority, gives us the mandate, and gives us the commission to look people right in the eye and say, you need to get saved. You need to make Jesus your Lord and Savior. Without that, you will die and you will spend eternity separated from God. That is torment forever. You say, well, God wouldn't do that to me. Yes, he would. You say, why would he do it? Because you're not, God's not doing it to you. You're doing it to yourself. Right. Amen. Now, go to the book. Since we're in Second Corinthians, go just a chapter over. Chapter four. Let me begin to show you a couple of things here. To, how to pray. Everybody say how to pray. You know, every one of you in your prayer log ought to have a list. I, uh, they gave me a nice new journal uh, when I was in the Philippines. So I started a, a, a prayer list of people that I, I want to see get born again. I'm beginning now to pray over them. This is where I start right here. First uh, excuse me, 2 Corinthians chapter 4. Now notice in verse 1 says, Therefore seeing we have this ministry, as we have received mercy, we faint not or we don't give up. But we've renounced the hidden things of dishonesty, not walking in craftiness, nor handling the word of God deceitfully, but by manifestation of the truth, uh, commending ourselves to every man's conscience in the sight of God. Now notice this. But if our gospel be hid, everybody say hid. If our gospel be hid, now this is interesting. Uh, But if our gospel be hid, it is hid, hid to them that are lost. Now, like we said, there's only two kind of people on the earth, the saved and the lost. God's family or the human family. Amen? Now, this shows us right now that there is an attempt to hide the gospel. Have you ever noticed how the world system does not embrace the gospel? They don't embrace it. They mock it. They make fun of it. Why is there been, you know, what harm does it do to pray at a football game? Unless you pray in the name of Jesus. You ever notice that? Why is the name of Jesus so controversial? Why can you talk about God, 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 but nobody ever says anything. But the moment you mention the name of Jesus. Well, let me tell you why. (coughs) Tell you why. God is a universal phrase. But when you say Jesus, that makes it personal. Let me say that again. When you say Jesus, that makes it personal. And Satan is still the God of this world. I'll show you that in just a moment. Now, he's defeated. He's God with a little g. And he's defeated as far as the church is concerned. Now, let me say that again. He is defeated as far as the church is concerned, but in his system on the planet, he's still ruling. That horrible event that happened last week, and what was it? Just two weeks before that, over in Las Vegas, another. Those are demonic, manifest. You say, why does that go on in America so much? Because there's a fight going on. You've got to see it. You've got to recognize. It. You say, what is it? Darkness. Trying to overcome light. But darkness cannot overcome light. As long as light will be light. I said as long as light will be light. So we've got to be the light of the earth. Now notice this. In whom, verse 4, in whom, now notice here's the phrase, the God of this world. That word world is the word cosmos. It's not the planet. It's the system that's on the planet. So there is a God of this world. The God of this world has blinded the minds. Well, where, where, where have we taught for 15 years as a church? Fixing to be 16. Where have we taught the battle takes place? In the mind. In the mind. So where does that blinding take place? In the mind. Listen, there are people out there. And I'm not saying just a few people sitting on a corner somewhere. I'm talking about probably close to over half of the majority of the entire world that thinks the term born again is a derogatory statement. I've heard people even say, you're not one of those born again Christians, are you? I mean, if you don't believe that, go to your next door neighbor, knock on their door. You know, the one that doesn't go to church, could care less about the things of God knock on their door and say, you know, I just wanted you to know, in case you were wondering, I wanted you to know that you live next door to a born-again, Holy Ghost, tongue-talking, spirit-filled Christian that hears from God, lays hands on the sick, cast out devils. And if you ever need me, I'm right next door. Yeah. Do you know what that would do to them? That'd probably cause a real estate boom on the island. <laughs> do you know what that would do to them? They would fear you and be as intimidated by you as if you were some drug dealer or cooking meth in your backyard. They would not view it as positive. They would view it as negative. Negative. You say, why? The God of this world has blinded the minds. I said, the God of this world has blinded the... What do you mean? How could you be... You got somebody next door that if you got in a crisis of life, they could pray the prayer of of faith for you. They could intercede in the Holy Ghost. If a devil was messing with you, they could lay hands... I mean, they could be a great answer to life's problem. And here you fear them? Think they're some kind of weirdo? I mean, every time you have some, you know, religious, I mean, when was it? Back in 94, 95, that guy went, went, went crazy up in Waco. Every negative thing that happens to so-called believers or Christians, they try to tack it to the entire body. That's the God of this world. You're not one of those, you're not one of those, you know, what, what was that guy's name? David, you're, you're, you're not one of those David Koresh. No, I'm a Jesus person. You know, that's just a cult, is all that was. I remember there were several ministers that fell back in the, in the mid 80s when Lee and I were first going into the ministry. And I'm telling you, they'd, put, they'd, put, they'd show a Pentecostal church on TV, and it'd be some old rickety building somewhere full of a bunch of old crazy people handling snakes. They'd show that. That's what Pentecost looked like. They'd never show the great ministries that God has raised up around the world. They never showed Smith Wigglesworth or John G. Lake. John G. Lake's his his ministry was so powerful in Spokane, Washington, they had over 120,000 documented miracles in five years, and the United States government declared Spokane, Washington, the healthiest city in the world, healthiest city in the nation, because of the power of God. Amen? But now our nation has been reduced to a moment of silent prayer. I feel like John Hagee this morning. <laughs> Amen. In whom the God of this world has blinded the minds of them which believe not, least the light. Be the light. Don't be ashamed of your faith. Least the light of the glorious gospel of Christ, who is the image of God, should shine unto them. So what is the enemy trying to do? He's trying to go to the minds, to the minds, to the minds. And listen, I thank God, I thank God for anything anybody tries to do in righteousness. Amen. And Lee and I, we've gone to these movies. You know, they have these movies that they're supposed to be changing the world. They're not. And the problem is most of them are based on Calvinism. I hope I didn't burst your bubble. But if you really watch him in the light of the, of, the, of the true gospel, is you know, well, God will kill this person so this person will get saved, or give this one cancer so this one can and do this and do, That's not God. God does not do that. Right. God is a God of glory, a God of healing, a God of goodness, a God of kindness, a God of might, a God of majesty, and he don't have to manipulate and use the devil's tools to get people saved. Amen. 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 But the good news is, If you know how to pray, if the God of this world has blinded the minds, a little light ought to come on over your head. That, quote, little g, God of this world is the one defeated by Jesus Christ, my Lord, my Savior, the greater one that lives in me. And I got me some tools. Number one, I can bind him. So you start, you got neighbors on each side, neighbor in the back. There you go. There's, there, there, you put there, the, the, the Jones family, the Smith family, and the Rodriguez family. Amen. Got the black, the white, and the Hispanic. We got them all around you, you know. So you start doing what? Start using your right to bind. Double, I bind you in the name of Jesus. Those thoughts that are coming into their mind that I'm some kind of a weirdo, that I'm some kind of a strange person. Let the light shine. Let the light shine. Let the light shine. Let them see that I have an answer for them. Let them know that there's something over here in my house that can bring blessing to their life, that can increase their life, that can cause their life to be an end. Let the light shine. you got to begin to do it. Amen. Then you got to begin to talk to your adversary. Devil, you're not going to steal my neighbor to the right. You're not going to steal my neighbor to the left. You're not going to steal my neighbor across the street. I am praying for them. So you begin to pray against the God of this world who does what? Who messes with their minds. I mean, if you were to go next door, knock on the door, not even tell them that, but just ask them, what do you think about me? You'd probably be Shocked you'd probably be shocked at what they'd say. They see your car parked up here. They see you walking out the door on Sunday morning with a Bible under your arm or an iPad or whatever you use. They see you going to a prayer meeting on Saturday night. They see you coming home with glory on you. Don't think the world can't see that. I said, don't think the world can't see that. Because every time you come to Island Church, and there's a real anointing in this church, everywhere you go in this, you go to the restaurant after church, you go somewhere, those people see the glory of God on you. Yeah. Let me just say it like this. They see the light. There's a light on your face. There's a light in your eyes. It's not in this world. It's in you. It's in you. Mm-mm-mm. say, so I'm going to pray. So I'm going to pray, and I'm going to buy on the devil. Now, Listen who hath blinded the minds. So what is blindness? Not being able to see. Amen. And the only thing worse than blindness is the inability to see correctly. Because at least when you're you're blind, they can give you a dog. But if you can't see correctly, then you may think you're seeing right when you're not. Amen. Amen. But as you begin to pray, you begin to say in the name of Jesus, over your over your over your job where you work, maybe the business that you own. Uh, maybe, maybe, it's, uh, 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 maybe you work at a school, maybe in education, maybe you work up at UTMB, maybe you work up at the plants. You just begin to need to pray around those people. Lord, I, in the name of Jesus, every day you as you're on the way, just pray and say, in the name, I bind you devil, you foul spirit. Amen. Amen. You will not blind the eyes of these people to the light that is in me, Amen. So that's point number one, Amen. Now, point two. I say point two. Go to Matthew, Matthew chapter nine. Now, you some of you may understand some things after this one, verse thirty-six. It says, Jesus went about all the cities and villages, teaching in their synagogues, preaching the gospel of the kingdom, and healing every sickness and every disease among the people. I got good news. He's the same yesterday, today, and forever. I said, he's the same yesterday, today, and forever. It says, but when he saw the multitudes, he was moved with compassion on them, because they fainted and were scattered abroad as sheep having no shepherds. Therefore saith he unto his disciples, the harvest is truly plenteous, but the laborers are few. Everybody say, laborers are few. few. It says, pray ye therefore the Lord of the harvest that he will send forth laborers unto his harvest. Now, do you see that? That he will do what? Send forth. Listen, Listen to it amplified. It says, so pray the Lord of the harvest to force out and to thrust laborers into his harvest. Now, you go read your different translations. Get on your, your iPad. Get on the internet. I've got a 26 translations of the Bible at the house. Go read that scripture. One of them says, Pray ye therefore that the Lord of his harvest will violently take individuals and thrust them into his harvest. Literally the same terminology is used when we cast out devils. Amen. I always get tickled at people that end up in ministry and say, Well, you know, they just forced me out of there. Exactly. You got forced out, Bubba. You say, What do you mean? God forces people out into His harvest. He does not like apathy, He does not like complacency. And just like the eagle stirs her nest. You ever heard about that, the illustration of an eagle stirring her nest? All those little eaglets are in there, and they're safe, and they're secure, and they're sitting there. You know, they build their, their nest way high up on a cliff where predators can't get to it, and mama comes every day and feeds them, and feed, just like everybody in the church. <laughs> little eaglets, amen? Amen. And mama feeds them and feeds them, and and here they come, and, you know, Sunday morning and Wednesday and and Saturday at prayer, and you're getting fed and getting fed, and you're sitting there, and then all of a sudden, mama recognizes those eaglets It's it's time for them to fly. No lessons, no nuts. So what she does is she hovers over the nest and begins to flap her wings, and it forces those little eagles up up out of the nest, and it literally, she throws them off the cliff. And they start falling and falling and hollering, Mama, Mama, why are you doing this to me? Why are you doing this to me? And falling. But eventually they figure out they're an eagle. And some of you in your life, you may feel like you're falling. You're falling. You're falling. But you're going to have to figure out you're an eagle. You need to spread those wings. And grab those currents of the Holy Ghost and let them raise you up into what God's called you to do. Because, see, I pray this prayer over Island Church all the time. Amen. I pray it over them. When I see people go out into the ministry, I think, oh, glory to God. God's done forced another one out. Amen. Amen. Because people, they go go kicking and screaming, but eventually they spread those wings and figured out, this is what I was called to do all along. This is why God put me on this earth. This is why God's raised me up to be who I'm supposed to be. Mm -mm -mm. So you have to pray this prayer. Why? Because Jesus said, Pray ye therefore. He didn't say, Pray to get, uh, Pray, Lord, I pray that you save people. Lord, I pray that people get born again. No, he said, Pray ye therefore, the Lord of the harvest, he will send forth labors into his harvest. Then you add a little asterisk to that and you say, Lord, I'm available. Now, this is the area in which God is looking for availability. Amen. Amen. Now, there are areas when God does need some ability. I've heard people say, anything that God calls you to do, you don't need to to have any talent, anything like that. All you need to do is available. Well, that's not true. You say, well, Pastor, I feel like I'm called to play the keyboard at Island Church. Do you know how to play the keyboard? No. (laughs) But God's calling me to do it. Well, we're not going to let you do it. There's no ability there. But all of us can be available available. To be laborers in the harvest. Now let me just say something. This may help you. You are harvest in the barn. Everybody say that. I I am harvest in the barn. 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 Somehow, some way, some preacher, some individual, some Sunday school teacher, someone led you to Jesus. You're no longer on the other side of this. You're on the right You're on the light side. You're on the life side. You're on the goodness side. You're on the mercy side. You're on the grace side. You're, you're all, listen, you're, you're on the right side. If you say, I've been wrong about everything in life. Well, there's one thing you're not wrong about. Come on, church. And it's the main thing. Because you can be right about everything in life and wrong about this. Then you're going to be in trouble. But you can be wrong about everything in life and write about this, and you're going to be okay. Amen? One more real quick. Go to Ephesians. Ephesians 6, real quick, and we'll close. Is this helping anybody? Anybody going to start praying for your loved ones and your neighbors? Ephesians chapter 6. Now, here's the key. Because you can't go running out of island church today and just start knocking doors up and down your street and think that you're going to be effective. Now, you may lead someone to the Lord. You may have somebody pray a prayer with you. You find somebody desperate, somebody that needs help, sure. But every one of us, as a church and as individuals, you need a door of utterance. You need an effectual door of utterance. And in order to respond To an effectual door of utterance, you need boldness. Amen? Now look at that here, just for a moment. Verse 18, let's just start there, because that's a good place to start. Verse 18, praying always with all prayer and supplication in the Spirit. I'm going to say pray in the Spirit. That means praying in tongues, Pray in the Spirit. And watching thereunto with all perseverance and supplication for all saints and for me, that utterance may be given unto me, that I might open my mouth boldly to make known the mystery of the gospel, for which I am an ambassador. Well, we're all ambassadors, so this includes us all. I am an ambassador in bonds, that therein I may speak boldly as I ought to speak. Now, nothing that you're timid about will ever convince anybody of anything. Now, first of all, before I get ahead of myself, first of all, a door of utterance. There are people in my life that it took me 20 years to get a door of utterance into their life. That guy I was talking about, the the soldier, it took me three years. I mean, three years of praying, three years of of, of finally saying, Lord, just send him to hell. I really could care less, you know. But the love of Christ constrains you. God kept telling me, "Go, go in there and love him, go in there and love him. Just go in there and love them. Love of Christ constraineth. There's been others. It's taken years of just praying and interceding and binding the devil and and because th- you don't know how many laborers are out there. Uh, there there was a a friend of mine who who wanted his father to get his father was getting elderly, and 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 was was sickly and. And just rejected everything uh, that he ever said about the gospel. Everything. says, you've lost your mind. All that born again, uh, Holy Ghost stuff, you've lost your mind. And just, you know, don't bring me that religious stuff. I don't need it. I'm telling you when you're dead, you're just dead as a dog on the side of the road. Well, you'd be concerned if that was your father. Well, over a period of years of praying like this, what happened was God sent a pastor from Ireland to this person's house. And sitting at the breakfast table where this son never had a door of utterance to this father, this pastor from Ireland had a door of utterance and led his father to the Lord right there at the breakfast table. Amen. The door of utterance is something very unique. You know when it's there. And if if, if ever in your life, now listen, if you get active in these things, here's what's going to happen. There will be times when you know the doors of utterance is open and you're going to lead people to Jesus. It's going to be so good. There will be other times when you know that door of utterance is open and you don't do anything about it and you're going to be so grieved. But you'll never understand it or know it until you begin to pray. It may happen. I've had it happen to me to waitresses that were waiting on our table. I've had it happen to me to people that were checking out groceries in the grocery line. I've had it happen to me uh, to, to, to guides that were taking me hunting or fishing. I've had it happen to me in all kinds of different incidences. This is not just what happens in pulpit ministry when a pastor an evangelist or a prophet or somebody gets up and preaches a message and people come and get saved. That's not it. This is the door of utterance out there in that world system in which the Holy Ghost, the unction of the Spirit of God, that which you've been praying, that which you've been declaring comes into existence. And for that neighbor that's lived next door for 20 years for the first time, you have a door of utterance and you can begin to speak. That's when you need boldness. That's when you don't need no wishy-washy, you know, well, you know, you ought to just come to church and hear our pastor. He's cool. No, no, no. They don't need a pastor. They need a Savior. Amen. They get a Savior, then they, then they, then they need a pastor. But before they need it. and I've heard people do some of the, you know, they start talking to them about tithing. They don't need to know about tithing. <laughs> start talking to them about the baptism of the Holy Ghost. Speaking, now, they don't need that. They need to be born again. So begin to pray, Father. We pray it every, we confess it over our church, every service. Thank you, Father, for the door of utterance. That's for everyone here. That we can go forth and boldly proclaim, boldly. Because I'm telling you, when that door of utterance opens, there's something supernatural working on that person. Now, let me say this also, because there's always the, well, how can I say, the personality conflict. the, The, well, Pastor, you know, you're kind of a, you know, you're kind of a confrontational guy and, you know, I can see you doing that and I can, but, but you know, I'm, I'm kind of, I'm kind of timid, I'm kind of, the boldness doesn't come on you till you open your mouth. He you said, boy, if I could just feel that boldness, you never will. But when you step up in front of somebody's face and recognize there is an eternal soul There is something going on here that if it happens correctly, angels are going to throw a party in heaven. Amen. Heaven's going to rejoice. The Father's going to smile. Come on, church. And you recognize that when you step into that door. Not when you stand outside the door, but when you step into that door of utterance, that boldness comes on you. Why? Because you've been praying. You've been confessing. You've been standing in the Word of God. With, with, with Leah's dad, we didn't know if dad was saved or not. We, we just didn't know. We knew that he grew up in a certain denominational church but we'd been praying. and We'd been praying for how many years? Probably 10 or 12 years before that happened. And he had gone to the doctor and gotten a bad report. And actually Lee and I were leaving. We had, we had been visiting for a couple of days and we're walking out the door. And her mom stops us and looks at, at, at dad Megason and says don't you have something to say? And he's like He just bows his head, and he says, I've got a bad report from the doctor. He was 75 years old. He was 75 years old. And so I just, all of a sudden, boldness just came on me. And I said, Dad, first of all, let's don't talk about what the doctor says. Let's talk about what Jesus says. And right there, we led him in the sinner's prayer, and he got born again right there. Did you know God extended his life, what, 10 more years? He didn't have to go through those procedures. God healed his body. God gave them a little something that they could do, and God healed his body. And he became the sweetest old gentleman you ever met in your life. This guy spent three years in the Pacific during World War II. Man, he was tough. He worked in the oil field his whole life. Raised a family of six, sent them all to college on just meager nothing. This is a man's man. But right there standing in that kitchen with tears rolling down his cheek, he he left darkness came into light and left death and came into life and one day we'll be with him in heaven for eternity because of boldness and a door of utterance and if you'll understand how that works now just just for a moment think about this you are a minister of reconciliation everybody say that i'm a minister i'm a minister of reconciliation amen number one you need to learn to bind the devil who has blinded the minds of those that are in this world system and your loved ones that are around you and your friends that you work with. Amen. And then secondly, pray ye therefore the Lord of the harvest would send forth labors, because you may not be the laborer, but you may be the laborer for someone else. Amen. And then last but not least, pray for that door of utterance to open so that you can boldly speak the gospel, the good news of the Lord Jesus. Now, if we will do that as a church, we will see that I don't want someone else's members. Amen. I want every church on this island to flourish. I don't want some church empty out and have the people come over. I don't want that. That's why I pray for the churches on this island that they will stay strong in the Lord and strong in their vision. I want this church full of people that weren't saved this time last year. Amen. That didn't know the Lord this time last year. That's the true essence of the body of Christ increasing correctly. For years, especially the way the charismatic move was designed, all churches were, was the conglomeration of other churches. A church would come into a, to an area, and a pastor that had a little more charisma than the, the one that was there, and everybody dump into that church. And then another one come, and everybody dump into that. That's not, that's not healthy. That's not the kingdom of God. But the kingdom of God is when you lead your neighbor and I lead my neighbor and you lead your friend and I lead my friend and you lead, lead your loved one. And, I, and we bring them to church after they get saved. Say, now, now that you're safe, you need to come to church. They say, why? That's where saved people go. That's where you can learn about what happened to you. And that's wh- how you can learn to, to, to become what I am because I led you to the Lord. You need to lead somebody else to the Lord. You need to be taught how to do it. You need to be taught who you are in Christ, what you have in Christ. You need to be taught about your authority. You need to be taught about healing. You need to be taught about prosperity. And you need a family because you're no longer in the human family. Now you're in God's family. Isn't that good news? Lift your hands and worship the Lord. Father, we worship you today. Lord, we thank you. Now, Lord, we pray. Just begin to pray, church. We pray right now. First of all, we bind the devil in Jesus' name. Devil, you lying foe, that has worked on this island and in this county for decades, blinding the minds of men and women to the glorious light of the gospel, we bind you in the name of Jesus over our neighbors, over our loved ones, over our friends and our families. In the name of Jesus, we call you bound. Heavenly Father, we pray according to the instruction of Jesus Christ, the head of the church. We pray, therefore, the Lord of the harvest will thrust out labors. will thrust out labors. We'll thrust out labors. And we pray that prayer, Heavenly Father, making ourselves available to be laborers in your harvest. And Father, we ask for the door of utterance to open for us. As a church, as individuals, as families, as neighbors, as employers, as employees, open the door of utterance and grant us boldness that we may speak your word. And Father, we echo Acts chapter 4. Stretch forth your hand to heal. Let signs and wonders be done in the name of your holy child, Jesus. Let our light shine. Let us be salt. Let us be salty, Father. Let the goodness of God manifest in us, through us, and for us. Let the mercy of God manifest in us, through us, and for us. And let the grace of God manifest in us, for us, and through us. For people all around this city, all over this county, and everywhere else we go in the world, in Jesus' name we pray. Now with every Thank you for joining us. We trust you enjoyed the message today. For services and special events, visit our webpage at www.islandchurchgalveston.com. You can contact us by phone at 409-770-9113. We are located at 2411 69th Street, Galveston, Texas. And remember to keep looking unto Jesus. He is the author and the finisher of our faith.